worlds, two worlds without an end. If all my wishes could come true, if all my dreams I could do, then I would fly above the sky to worlds, to worlds without an end. If all my wishes could come true, if all my dreams I could do, then I would fly above the sky to worlds, to worlds without an end.
Hello everybody, this is Jerry Lee, and we're going to get into a really, really interesting subject about the return of the hidden book of remembrance. I want to start reading, though, from the book of Revelations, chapter 10. And, of course, that word and, as we know from the manifest teachings, can be very conjunctive. And in that sense, it can have connections as a synodaki. And I saw another angel, another mighty angel. How many angels have you seen in your spiritual lifetime? Wouldn't it be something to have such an experience with angels that you could write and you could say, and I saw another mighty angel. It's very important to distinguish and make an exacting of the meaning of these expressions. And this angel came down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of, par, of fire. We could take that verse and we could make a message out of it. And I cried with a loud voice, and when a lion roareth, or as a lion roareth, when he has cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now it is beautiful. Now it is emphatic. Now it is deep and roaring of thunders. He took his hand and a little book opened. This angel then set one foot on the sea with all the meaning of that and another foot, the left foot on the earth, with all the meaning of that. So it is nothing less than awesome. It's nothing less than deeply spiritual. But let's look at this next thing. Verse 4. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. People have said to me about the Holy Manifest Revelations, some of which have never yet all been published, never yet been preached from the pulpit, never yet been exclaimed as the prophecies that they are, and the reveals that they are, that they don't understand why these incredulous words would be held back from the public. Was, was it the public? Was it the people? Was it the followers of Jesus? The ones that were supposed to have it? Well, you see, the Bible also tells us there is a time for everything under the sun. So when we look at this, we see John writing these fantastic revelations. And 
God speaks to him. And God says, don't write this. Don't make this public knowledge. Don't make this so everyone knows about it. He says, keep it a secret. Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. I suppose there would be people stop right there. Say, well, it's not meant for us to know the seven thunders. They were sealed up by God. Not meant for us to know about them. And John, a disciple and a great man of God, he had to be told by God that fact. And so there are people out there that believe things like that, and they believe it because they've only read a part of the word and not the whole word. And the Bible says people know in part, they believe in part, they live in part, but one day, if they are to proceed on to perfection, they have to leave that part, some of which has some very great attributes. They have to leave it and go on in order to ascend. And someone would think, well, yeah, but if you've got the order not to reveal it, then you can't reveal it. Well, that's what it says in Revelations 10, verse 4. But Revelations doesn't end in chapter 10. And when you turn to Revelations 22, verse 10, and interesting, it's a tenth verse. And interesting, there are 12 chapters in between. Here is what it says. Seal, S-E-A-L, no longer the sayings of the prophecies of this book. For thy time, or for the time, is at hand. Now you had an instruction, and the instruction said it can't be revealed now. Seal it up. It didn't say destroy it. It didn't say repudiate it. It said, seal it up, and then wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, compatible thing from Scripture to Scripture when you follow it all through and you give the benefit and the credentialization of those alignments that belong to each other. And so, now we have a time that it was to be sealed it up, sealed up, and then for possibly many years, it was held in a privacy. It was held in a, an interval and only a few could know what that was and what it said. And that's how it was with us, with the Holy Manifest and the 
this revelation that was given, only a few, few persons of the school of the prophets could be taught these things. Until a time, and years and years and years went by of my life, and I ministered this, continued to write these things into different orders that would be prepared for the future. And then one time, when I was in my early 70s, God said, now is the time. You can begin to work on publishing these things and getting them out. And the Bible goes on in the fifth verse in the 10th chapter. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. See, it's just not human beings that are nudged by the Holy Spirit to lift their, up their hands and praise God and, and give signals and give demands and commands. The angels are involved with that kind of language, those kinds of actions. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, now, if a person lives forever, why do you need to live forever and ever? Those things you can't just sweep off the porch. You have to understand that there are deep interwoven meanings here that are not just fragments to be skipped, but they have specific, definite meanings of applicable things that you are to know. And it's about the dimensions of time, and it's about the dimensions of forevers, and the dimensions of eternity. And let's go on. And the things that are therein, and the earth, and all the things that are therein, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. So one says, okay, that's it. There's no time from that time on. You know, don't, don't say that because you don't know. It's just like the scripture says, seal this up. And then a few scriptures later it says, okay, now unseal it and get it out. But it means that there's a time for all things. And it means there's a lot of things like which the time is up on. The time is up on playing a game. The time is up on shallow believing in God. The time is up in only comprehending the simple things and giving credit to them as though they are all that are important and all that remain as an essence of God. That time is up. We're moving on to another dimension. We're moving on to the heights. The Bible talks about the deep word of God. There can't be a deep word of God if there's not a shallow word of God above it because you can't then have the creation of deep. And so, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared it to his servants, the prophets. So when there are prophets 
when there are men of God and women of God and persons of God who begin to speak things that are deep revelations <clears throat> and profound and almost mind-shaking of comprehension, that was how the word of God of the thunders was dispersed. That was the plan of God. And it says it right here, and I'm reading it to you right here in this verse. That in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God should be finished. How should it be finished? As it has been declared to his servants, the prophets. You need to get that down in your mind. You need to get that down in your heart. You need to get that down in your spirit and soul. That there are men of God. Well, they will always be someone say, oh, there's no prophets left. They're all gone. But there will always be men of God out there who God has set aside, who in spite of themselves are clothed with the power of a message that cannot be stopped by anything. Now, that little book can be both little and it can be ma massive. Because when we're talking in the language of God, it incorporates the opposites, just like it did in Genesis. And people says, you know, and God said, let there be light. And then that light represented the day. Well, no, it really didn't, not according to the book of Genesis. It pre represented a part of the day because it took the evening, which was darkness, and the morning, which was light, to make up the day. So when we read something about the end of time, we read something about a part or a special word. Just feed it into your spirit and give the spirit Spirit, it's time to reveal all the possible potential meanings that that could have. It is so very much important. Now, in Malachi 3.16, it says, And a book of remembrance was written before God. For those persons who respect God and worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's a book of remembrance. Where is that book? What does that book say? I've already talked to people out there that say, I want that book. I, I, want, I, I want to be able to read it. Well, the Bible says that if all of the things were written that should be written, they should be written that it is supposed that not even the world would comprehend it. And then John writes and he says, and the great light shone in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. And even though darkness may be an aspect of what is necessary to have to make up the day, you could have 50% of your day, which is that part which is called evening, be of the nature that it is non-comprehending. 
so that only a part of you, which is the light of the day, is the comprehending part. And this is why we have to be able to have the, the senses of the Spirit, the desire of the Spirit, and the determination of the Spirit to not be cheated from all of the potential available revelation that God wants to give to his people. Now, there is no place in the Bible that God forces anything down your throat. God is so lovingly compliant in his consideration of human beings and their needs. And it teaches in the Bible, let every person work out their own salvation, and if necessary, with fear and trembling. Especially those words meaning with respect. So every person has an indelible right to believe something that somebody else may not believe. They have that right. And according to the Bible, we have to give it to them. Now, I like to tell people <clears throat> that what I'm into is Jesus. I believe that Jesus Christ is the common denominator. And when I see someone out there that believes in Jesus Christ and confesses Jesus Christ, that person is family. Even if there's many, many things that I believe that they don't believe or many things they believe that I don't believe, they're still family because they're into Jesus Christ. Well, I wrote an introduction to this book of remembrance. Even as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, so comes the octa with eight sides, which by number equals the eighth day. This is the time of the eighth day, a new day, a new beginning, a new deep. It is the new day having paths that no fowl has ever flown. The forgottenness moves and winds ever blowing and grinding away the known positions of the was and the is and the to be. Repetition is seemingly ever going on. The worm comes to the top of his wormhole to smell the fresh air, but suddenly the beak of a swift bird swallows his whole life away and he is gone. Inklings of memory come and go, just like that event. But in the land of forgetfulness, the common disease of forgetting steals all the crown of thoughts. How did this forgetfulness become so predominant? Well, the Bible tells us that the spirits or the spirit of the old fan fall into lost memory affected the mortal planet Earth inhabitants beyond the imagination of any common mortal. And when we start getting into the X, Y, Z of things and the differentiations, we have to understand there is quite a difference in the simplistic levels of some and many Christian institutions versus the very deep level of the Holy Manifest teachings. Because we want to talk about and recognize 
how that these angels, when they left the first domain, which is the pierced state of energy that the invisible God abides in, and he's too pure to, to abound or live or abide in anything that is physical. Because the Bible says that flesh and blood, and that includes the physical aspect, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And when we are talking the invisible God, there is an essence there that nothing else can compare to. So we have to come into that understanding of the differentiation. And these angels, they left the first domain to go out on a mission to be involved in a universe, to be involved in creations, and they had to take on physical bodies. So most people think that when the angels fell, they fell in their spirits. But no, they fell in the bodies that they had taken on. And that is part of the problem in the brain of the forgetfulness. And, and that is a different depth of Christian salvation and recognition of the lost memory of the state of spirits who were cast into bodies and dragged by their fall into fleshly mortal bodies. Out of all this came the event of forgetfulness that the Bible tells us about, called the land of forgetfulness. And it, it even it poses a question. You know, and, and it says in Psalms 88, 12, shall your righteousness and knowledge be in the dark? In the land of forgetfulness? Knowledge and righteousness entering into the dark because of a fall and there being not only a spiritual causation, but there being a physical, a physical causation because those angels had physical bodies at the time, which were of a very special kind, but nevertheless they were physical bodies. So as we go on with this return of the hidden book, We have to know that the common disease of forgetting can steal all the best things of potential. The Holy Ghost seal is open now as a seer forhears the message of the seventh thunder. And we must not forget what we just, what we read in the 10th chapter of Revelations. For it speaks about the angel, the angel of the seventh thunder. Now, I want to share with you an understanding that a lot of people have lost and have forgotten. And it, and it is so very, very sad. It is so sad that people that have had an opportunity to read the seven thunders speak manifest chronicles before Genesis by the manifest Yada which is a book that 
many people have found, and they have just been overjoyed with it, but there have been a lot of people who found it too deep to comprehend. But when you read something like this in the 10th chapter, and it says, and the seventh angel sounded. Okay, who is that seventh angel? Well, according to the book of the Manifest Chronicles, and there's all kinds of Bible for it, we won't have the time for that today. Cover what we can. But you've got the first thunder angel that came out of the Troniverse. And those were Ovenim angels. And their archangel was Yahweh, Lord of the Host. You have the second angel of thunder, the Luma universe, which the cherubim angels came out of, and Gabriel was the great archangel and the Lord of Hosts. And, of course, Lucifer was his second-in-command. <clears throat> then you have the third angel, or the third thunder, Sima, the Selephim angels, and their lord of hosts called Selah. Someone said, well, that stuff's not in the Bible. Of course it is. And how would you know, it, know that it's not in the Bible or that it is in the Bible? Unless you can comprehend and understand by revelation how that the secrets are written in the Bible in an invisible way. And you have to be able to read the invisible Bible of the Bible to know what the Bible is really saying. And Jesus had to explain to his disciples that the minds of the people of his times were so daunt and dense that he had to speak by parables, tell little stories, because otherwise they wouldn't even remember anything he was saying. But here we've got, clearly in the book of the Bible of story of revelations of the thunders, seven angels called seven thunders. And why do we have that? And what is that about? Well, they're all about where, who they are, where they came from, and not much is known about Selah, the Lord of hosts. But I know a lot about Selah, or the Selahim angels of the Sima universe, which is an incredible universe that happened way long time ago. Someone says, oh, that's not in the Bible. You need to quit saying that. Because when you say that, you make a confession that you do not know the Bible. And that is not a good confession to go against you. There have been seven universes. We're in the eighth universe. There will ultimately be 144,000 universes. And this is a state of, of living and overcoming and creation that followed the, the, the alpha ages. There's no end to all the things of God. The Alpha, the Omega, the intervals. <clears throat> the Bible speaks about a beggar and a man who was very wealthy but was very undecent in mercy. And he wanted a chance to go back or to make communications. But the Bible says there was a great gulf, a great interval 
that separates. There are intervals out there that separate people from being able to have total cognizance of the reality of what the Bible is really saying. And you have to be able to transit across those, those intervals. And that's where the revelation on the Mount of Transfiguration of, of getting into that state of understanding, of knowing and how to apply transfiguration to many, many different things, to change it from being in one state to another state, in one form to another form, as one thing to another thing. And it allows you to keep going into places that other people can't go because they don't know about those conversions. And now we have all these seven thunders, and we have all these seven angels. And most people don't know them, and, if, and they have no idea that they're in the Bible. But they are. The fourth thunder, the Yadavim angels. The Astrodon, the Astrodon universe. And Yada, the lord of the host of that great universe. The fifth thunder, the, the Shumathim, <clears throat> called the Seraphim angels. From the Shum, S-H-O-O-M-B universe, of whom Michael, the archangel, is the lord of hosts. And interestingly, something about him that most people do not know. And there's Bible for this too, but I don't have time to cover everything. But one of the gifts of that universe, one of the gifts that would for sure be something that Michael, the archangel, had, that puts him over a lot of different people, was the power of memory. And no wonder the Bible can say, I will send you the Comforter. And the Comforter will teach you all things and lead you and guide you and restore to you your memory. Then we go to the sixth thunder, the interverse, the Amramathim angels, and Amra, the Lord of hosts. And the seventh thunder, now finally to that scripture in the 10th chapter of Revelation, the angel that was so important and so involved and you had to deal with him very carefully is the angel of the zone. It's called the zone universe. And it's absolutely deep. The, the Higginanum, H-I-G-G-A-I-O-N, you, you have Higa. Ion Nim, the Higa Ion Nim. Trying to make it so you can understand the pronunciation, angels. This is only listed in the Bible, that word, next to the word Sila. And it's basically a word that scholars don't know or understand. And this Lord of Hosts is the Ionium, Lord of Hosts. And so when it talks in the manifest teachings about the age of Ion, this is all part of that revelation of the seventh angel, the age of Ion, the Iononium, Lord of hosts, the seventh angel of thunder. Let's move. 
The Holy Ghost seals open as a seer forehears the message of the seven thunder, Revelations 10 7, that I read to you. Fairyland tales plunge into fadeaways as the real truth emerges. Gabriel signals to the energy dot memories written concerning the book of remembrance. The mind of a prophet raises mind sails as the energy dots planet years ago in his mind begin to turn on and their universe shows. Now comes the manifester seer, now comes I to shout a message that will be heard around the world of this message of the book of remembrance and how it is part of, the, of a transfiguration to activate memory and to activate spiritual life. And how that it says in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God will be finished as God has declared it to his servants, the prophets. Oh my God, isn't that beautiful? Oh my God, isn't that important? So, when the Bible tells us some of the things it says, we can't help but get stirred up. When a universe ends, usually the all of that universe, except the ascendant spirits, end up as debris. And that ending universe, after the passing long moments between two forevers, becomes the sin tone or, or the debris of a new universe via latolution, worlds without end. And be sure you understand when you look up that scripture that the term world in the Greek or in the Hebrew uses the same word to describe worlds, plural, or worlds, singular. And the only thing that differentiates it's the context. That's the only differentiation. The Book of Remembrance is a book of seven parts called the Seven Thunders. A forward part of prior universes, the first domain, the fringe of the first domain, its purposes, number four, soulship, transfigurations, Matthew 17, 1 through 2, of body and spirit soul, five, latolution, the manifestation and the revelation of light and darkness. Six, glories, energy dots, manifest teachings, vast knowledge of the physical and the spiritual. Seven, creation splendors and creation redemptions. And just in case you didn't get my number system, one was a forward part of prior universes. Two, the first domain. Three, the fringe of the first domain is purposes. And four, soulship. Janet Lee at the organ.
we'll continue right on. When Gabriel, the archangel, appeared to me, he implanted the book of remembrance in the form of energy dots in my brain. And he said to me that my mind would not come into the memory instantly of all these things. But there would be releases of the knowledge over a span of time. You see, the Book of Remembrance keeps the memory of names, but not the blotted out names. Nor does, nor does the Book of Memory of Remembrance keep a record of the personal sins of any entities, nor judgments, nor keep the remembrance of time. Neither is kept the remembrance of suffering nor hells. However, it does record successions and name them. Now in the scripture, there are words that I know was part of the memory put into my mind. Words I, were not, I was not even aware of at the time. And it says in Isaiah 51.16, And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Oh, the word of God is so beautiful, so tremendously beautiful. And so, God has provided this book of remembrance. It was written for God's people. And as it said in the 10th chapter of Revelation, these things were delivered to the prophets. And according to what was said to the prophets and given to the prophets is according to how things are going to come, come around as regards the seven thunders, which are the seven angels. Now, why are these seven angels mentioned? Why do they have any part to do with us in this eighth universe? Because the Bible teaches us emphatically, emphatically, and there is powerful scripture for it, that there's going to be a judgment day, a white throne judgment. And we are going to stand before the council of the white throne judgment. And this white throne judgment is going to be made up of those angels, which are the archangels of the seven universes, each archangel representing the whole aspect of all of the overcomer people of their universe. And they, as seven principles, will be involved in the white throne judgment. And, and, and there is no way scripturally to ever get around that. It is prophesied, it is predicted, it is emphatically taught in the Word of God, and that's why they're involved. That's why there has to be a mention 
of the uh, of the seven angels of the seven thunders because they're all going to be present and be a part of making this judgment. And that will be very, very important to have these archangels from all the different universes when you start having to make a judgment between Lucifer and his claims that he makes, which in the Holy Manifest, uh, one of the books that I have not let out, it tells this whole story that's going to happen in the future when Lucifer brings his case to court before the white throne judgment. And that you will need these archangels from all the different universes to be able to make the divine decision. And that's why they play that important part. And you, for your own self, independently, will need that. You know who's going to be your lawyer if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal savior? It's going to be Yahweh, and he's at the top of the list. He will bring you through. And his plan is so unique because he doesn't need to bring you through on the score of your personal life and your personal things accomplished or not accomplished or done that you shouldn't have done. He brings you through clean as a pearl through the blood of the Lamb and gives you his name. It's beautiful. Now let's move on. So, there are other outside books of knowledge. They've been written by different persons and different religions. We're not out to knock them. If that's what you want to spend your whole life on, it's going out there knocking books and knocking other religions, God have mercy on you. We don't have time for it. We're so busy climbing, climbing Jacob's ladder and, and, and regaining the glories that belong to us, that the Bible says belong to us from the foundations of the world. That's what we're interested in. And helping people that are suffering. And not going out there just making a big razzmatazz out of someone that believes different than you. Just leave them alone. That's what Jesus said when the disciples had a question about whether John's disciples taught just like his disciples. You know, Jesus said, leave them alone. They're not against us, they're for us. To leave them alone. So understand, the word that became flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 15.50 First domain without violating the scriptures. For the Bible says of a surety that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of the heaven of heavens. There are universal heavens, and that is a different case. But the heaven of heavens and its first domain are not physical, but spirit, which allows no physical flesh to enter. The first domain is a pure spirit realm where the pure spirit of the, of the invisible God abides, Psalms 12.6. And the Father and Son forms do not abide in the first domain. Some of us say, well, what are you talking about? There is no father or son or daughter in the heaven of heavens. They don't go by things like that because there's not male nor female and they, are not, they do not give in marriage. It's a spirit realm. 
Though it doesn't talk about there being a father, when we want to get into the revelation of the Trinity, like Father, Son, Holy Ghost, uh, that's a, a universal revelation, and it involves the Father's house. My Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not the heaven of heavens, but in the heavens. The term outside books refer to books containing information and knowledge that are trees of positive and negative events written and created outside the first domain. The generation day and the 24-hour day were, according to the Bible, made out of the morning light and the evening darkness, as I said earlier. So we got something we're dealing with that's both positive and negative. But when you turn on your electricity and have light bulbs giving you light, it takes that negative and that positive to create that electricity. So don't jump the gun on anything. The Bible in the first book of Revelation explains, in the new day, darkness will not exist anymore. The only light that will be a day-to-day -day light is explained in Revelation 21-23. So it is clear that the fallen Ophanim must seek to reach holy perfection, which by the Holy Ghost is possible. Now the photon is both a particle and a wave of light. The line of God that the Bible says goes out to all the universe is both particles and messages of the word and sound-drawn waves. However, in the embodiment of the messages of the line and the glories of the waves of light, there is a oneness revelation that belongs to the Book of Remembrance. It is a kind of tuning fork that incorporates perfect memory tones. Those tones are the high rises of God's energy and love, that song in the universe, which however and whatever need to respond to those persons imbued with the memory map of the Book of Remembrance, because God will respond to those people. No angel of less degree than the degree of archangel can confer such a bestowment, and that only when a person to receive that said bestowment was initiated by a particular prior life and is therefore written into such a destiny. This complexity does not remove other individuals from receiving insight into the Book of Remembrance. By other means, there are deep glimpses that can be found when a person lays out the right angle, A-N-G-L-E. There is always a great camp of angels standing by listening for voices of true sincerity. They have the power of transfiguration. They can in an instant change the face of a negative reality. Stories and their lure, oh yeah. The alignment of certain pointer stars has great stories. It is always like a storybook wonderment to look up at the stars. The stars twinkle, but few understand their messages. Then there are the angels, and only a few persons would not be interested to meet and talk with them. And there are beautiful things in nature, like magnificent trees and flowers, mountain majesties that tower and touch the skies. The stories are enthralling. And all of these said descriptions of the beauty of the handiwork of God's hand cannot be matched, cannot be compared. There is no comparison. There is no way to match them. So, listen to me, folks. 
But there is a special masterpiece for the spirit mind of the mortals who belong to a fallen angel race called Ophanim. The mind-spirit energy is called memory. Without memory, one cannot love God. Without memory, no one can love each other. Without memory, you can't appreciate super scenery. You can't even know who is your friend. Without memory, all the frills and charms present have no deep relativeness. Of course, there are degrees of memory that a person may or may not have, and there are different kinds of memory. Some memories are dark and gruesome. Some memories are of light and comprehension. When the Bible speaks of living in the land of forgetfulness, that scripture is no doubt about the comparison to having lived and abode in a different place where there exists a memory so succinct, so powerful of thoughts, so powerful of knowledge and love, that the loss of that memory compared to any memory on the planet Earth is a state of forgetfulness. <clears throat> the Book of Remembrance, then, is a beautiful lost pearly gate of enlightenment and a hall eternal of records of the history of the universes and their angels spanning ages upon ages of successions without end. The dukes of the ages gather from time to time to thank the ever-living invisible God I am for the crystalline book of energy dots that dotillate pictures and stories in the line waves of the universes that in rhythm repeat the glorious tones that so heal death it can only seek forever and ever. Oh, that'd be fine, wouldn't it? To have just death sleep and not be awake ever to do his causation. Let all the heavens praise the God of gods and the book of remembrance. The thirst and the hunger to partake of the book of remembrance is a select and advanced thirst and hunger. The common desires of a common mind cannot imagine the supper of the book of remembrance. The desire is of a kind that once obtained you will never hunger nor thirst any more as long as you remain in the full belongingness of your angelship calling. <clears throat> there is a thrust. There's a thrust that comes with allowing the book of remembrance. <clears throat> this thrust that comes with allowing the book of remembrance, excuse me, <clears throat> pardon me, information to be shared, even to the extent in the earthly sphere, Paul said, if you partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily, you expose yourself to sickness. You can partake of things that are spiritual and do it the wrong way. You can lose out. The Book of Remembrance has information to be shared, even to an extent. In the earthly sphere, Paul said, if you partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily, you can expose yourself, as I started to say earlier, to sickness and death. The secret is to partake in the Christ body by rendering your partaking to our Father the Lord. Father and Lord, don't do the Lord's deep word supper in the raw of your humanness. Partake to yourself through Christ. Someone might say, I thought there was only one kind of the Lord's supper. Remember, the original Lord's supper was a disciple or apostle. <clears throat> 
or a follower of Christ, or the family of the Christian person dining together in thankfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. To be sure that every meal was not exactly the same as the communion Eucharist in the churches. A point of deep unto deep in the verse of 1 Corinthians 11.24, which says, Do this in remembrance of me. Same spelling as the book of remembrance. Now we're, we're really beginning to get into the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part in the kingdom of God. And now we've got this Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, you do this in remembrance of me. So we always want to think of eating and drinking the way we humanly eat and drink. And we don't realize that there is a spiritual way to think and a spiritual way to eat and a spiritual way to drink. And as we begin to, to eat and drink in a spiritual way of remembrance, then we are actually achieving something totally different. Why so many people couldn't get it when Jesus said, except you drink my blood, except you eat my flesh, that he's talking about the remembrance of the blood that stood for his life and the remembrance of the burdens that he took on in his body for the people that he loved. And that's how you eat his flesh and drink his blood, is through the gift of remembrance. And when you don't have the book of remembrance, you don't have the pearly shells that are attached on the gates that go around the city of Jerusalem. <coughs> So then in the natural of human culture, there are light meals, nutritious meals, a variety of meals. Paul teaches that things on earth are patterns of things in heaven. So putting this into spiritual mode, there are deep revelations for brightening the brain, strengthening and giving the body zip. This, of course, is spiritual knowledge to help the physical zones of life. Then there is the Lord's Supper that is above all of that. Jesus said, this is my last meal I will share with you on earth. When we share again, it will be at my Father's house. You mean it's a continuum? Yeah. Even after you have escaped the prison of the planet earth. <clears throat> Even when you have jetted out in the spirit. You're going to share again at the Father's house. And it's going to be about remembrance. It's going to be about this book of remembrance. And it's going to be beautiful. There's a high above other highs, an act, ascent above other ascents. The book of remembrance is such an ascent. It is the breaking of the holy manna bread of a level where mansions are mysteries about the heavens. So there was the natural upper room, spiritualized by prayer, but on the earth and remaining on earth. Then there is the higher plane called the Father's house, where Melchizedek dwells, whose regeneration seed is not tied to earth or its genealogy. Importantly, the same Jesus Christ of whom said, Take this supper in remembrance of me, 
It relates to a part of that part in the Bible that says Jesus is after the order of the Melchizedek. Because when you start taking into the remembrance of the things not seen, not remembered, not known, you take into his order, which is the true order of the Melchizedek. So children of God, don't give in, don't give up. There's too much to consider. It's too vital, it's too important. The Bible knowledge clearly known that for us to be known, we have to have remembrance. According to the Bible, there is no living or deceased human who have not heard the gospel, Romans 10.8. It's written. Have they heard? Have they heard the word? They said, yes. Everyone has heard. The sound went out, and it went out throughout the whole world, and there's no one that's not heard it. How can that be? Well, it's all part of inexplicit, confused ideas that people have diddled with and have no answer, but that there are answers, and then it, it is explicitly an explanation of the term of the word Israel when God declares in Romans 11.20 that all A.L. Israel will be saved. So that obviously since God is no respecter of persons that the term Israel is a spiritual term meaning all fallen ophanims regardless of their earthly mortal national descriptions explicitly in Israel have an application into the deep reality of being saved. And it's what Jesus meant when he said, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And that is why Jesus, when he was on the, on the cross and he saw these people doing things against him, he said, Father, forgive them for they are ignorant of what they are doing. But when you look up that word of the ignorant knowledge, you find that it also means they have forgotten. They have forgotten. They do not remember. And when Jesus looked at those people that were hooraying for him to be crucified, he said, Father, forgive them. They do not remember. They had lost the book of remembrance and they never got it back. And this is what a lot of Christians do not realize. They've lost this vision. They've, or maybe we should say they lost it when they fell from the heavens and they've never gained it back since. Consequently, before Christ, salvation was just a smoothing over approach through sacrifices to attain of justification for temporary time. Complete salvation can only come through Christ. However, true salvation is quite different than most religious institutions can even imagine. So, as we go deeper and deeper into the scripture of the invisible Bible, and we begin to come into the understanding that ophanims are eternal, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot ever, 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 ever make an eternal creation of God to be no longer eternal. 
you can move them from one configuration of eternalness to another configuration of eternalness. And at a very extreme remote happening, you can take all of the talents of their memories and transfer that to a new person who's never been an angel before, but who has just come into it and transfer to that, and then that person's spirit becomes the soul spirit of that person who is put out and can no longer be part of the eternalness of the first domain. But they don't cease to be. They end up with a different kind of eternalness in a different kind of place. And you can believe that if you want. If you don't want to believe it, you don't have to believe it. But it's Bible powerfully Bible. And so that begins to explain Romans 11.9, which says, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Now you eat that, would you? You want to have that for supper tonight? Yes, you can grind someone up who's done, made sins and done awful things. You can put them in hell 15 times over, boil them in oil, whatever you want to do. That's what you want to do. God have mercy on you doing that. You can extend your time in ways that you wish you wouldn't have done. But you can't remove the Word of God from the Word of God. And the Word of God says, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So it says, oh, that sort of destroys the whole message of salvation and repentance. No, it doesn't. What it is saying is that if you've been given a gift, if you've been given a calling, if you are an eternal ophanim, then your repentance is for your mortal body, not your spirit body. Because you cannot change your spirit from being eternal. But you can do things about your physical body. And that's what the repentance is about. Because it was a physical body in the Old Testament that ate with physical lips and physical tongue and swallowed down a physical throat into a physical stomach a fruit that was forbidden. And who was punished in a physical way by the clothes they had to wear, by the place they had to live. But it had nothing to do with the spirit, which is eternal. So the Lord promises to restore memory to the heart of the spirit of every mortal, to remember their sins no more, Romans 10, 16, 7. The confusion and the problems of understanding such scripture or what regards applying what refers to the fleshly mortal body and what replies to the spirit of the fleshly, mortal, uh, fleshly body, as I just said. These lost memories are called glories. And according to God, these lost mem- memories are the glories that belong to the Ophan angels before the world who are now prisoners in mortal bodies Read it in 1 Corinthians 2.7 and Romans 10.16.17. And we're going to move on because we're coming to a close here for 
too long. The time has come. The power to go back into the memory of time has arrived for the Manifesto Yada and for a lot of people. It is the time of the eyes of the wheel in the middle of the wheel scene. It is a time. <clears throat> it is a time of the eyes of the seven spirits of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, which have the excellency of the power of God, and it is not revealed by flesh and, and blood of, of the mortals. Second Corinthians 4.7 MIV. Nevertheless, sadly it is written, of the rock that begot you, the fallen Ophim, Ophanim have become unmindful and have forgotten the God who formed them. Deuteronomy 32.18, MIV. That's the whole problem. This book of remembrance is the whole problem. It was lost in the fall. It has remained lost in the mortal bodies. And now, chapter 10 of Revelation the seventh angel of the seven thunders is sounding. And he's saying, now is the time to open the seals. Now is the time to let the people know these mysteries that have been hidden in the word of God. That have been secrets. <clears throat> when Jesus went back in time, the event rippled in effect of time in interval of resurrection. The resurrection unfold was not only of Jesus himself, but also of an additional resurrection of the memory of a multitude of a group of saints. The effect of this addition of resurrection was the causing of many minds and a group of saints whose minds had not yet been infused by the Holy Spirit to remember all things, John 14, 26, suddenly to become spiritually awakened from their bland earth lifestyle and to arise ministering the mystery of the lost memories. Now, what am I referring to? I'm referring to that time when Jesus said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit, and the Bible said there was a great earthquake, and graves op opened. And we always think that that has to mean that the earth opened and the graves were literal graves. But there's all kinds of scripture, you know, Jesus even called human beings, uh, you know, uh, funeral boxes. And so when you begin to realize this, that what happened on that day of the resurrection, because there's different kinds of resurrection, they're not all the same. The one major kind of resurrection is when everyone just is resurrected into a spirit cognizance, getting ready uh, for, for the white throne judgment. Then there's another kind of resurrection where People have just died, and then they're just brought back to life, and they go on living that life. But there's this other thing that happened on the resurrection day when a group of people did something totally different. Their memory was resurrected. Not in the fullness, but enough from this event on the cross of Jesus that they went out and began proclaiming to people when they had that experience, they went out and began talking to people and preaching the manifest of the remembrance. And that's another kind, a special kind of resurrection and a special, beautiful kind of resurrection. And that's what God is getting ready to do now. A resurrection of remembrance. 
where he'll make it possible for people to escape the death sleep and the suspended states and to be moved selectively into a specific time of being in a state that is susceptible to having the preservation of these things anointed for those persons to receive. Oh, praise God. Check out Deuteronomy 29.5. Jesus tried to share the mystery of his disciples by saying that Lazarus was sleeping. They couldn't get it. They said, well, he's sleeping. God, Lord, that's good. Why are you talking like that? And he kept trying to explain it. They couldn't get it. The darkness could not comprehend it that was in them. But he, he knew that something was happening in Lazarus of the Book of Remembrance. And it was awesome. And they say that as many people came to that miracle spot to see Lazarus as he even came to see Jesus. Consequently, I'm referring to two states as follow. First, that a state exists in which all humans are fallen over and angels who fell over a continuing time into human mortal bodies and therefore lost their angelic memories. Secondly, there is a spiritual, a spiritual potential Ophan angel memory recall state that allows the person while still in a human mortal body to recall what manifestly is being termed a recall of the wheel Ophan lost memory state. And David wrote it like this, Psalm 16, 10, 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. And one of the states of hell is called the grave. That's one of the hells. And earth. Neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. There's a place in God that we can claim we don't want to go into corruption. We want a continuum. We want to move on. There's a place in God, supernatural, particular of revelation, particular of super achievement and potentiation. Well, we got to know how to do this. I'm going to bring this to an end. When they came to get Jesus in the garden, Peter raised his sword. And Jesus said, put it away. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. Do you not understand? Do you not understand? I guess you just don't remember, do you, Peter? That if I wanted to, I could call 12 legions of angels to appear to help me. But you don't remember that, do you? You've forgotten it. So the four beasts represent a select group of four kinds of humans in Revelations 4 and 5. And there are four-winged and six-winged and two-winged kinds of angels that have meaning. All these meanings are connected to the memory. And in Revelations 4, 8, it beautifully says it. Holy, 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 30, 60, 100-fold. 
to him who was, who is, and who is to come. So come into the revelation of this mystery of the return of the lost book of remembrance. And it will bring you to a future of many eyes. And you'll be able to see from the angles of every hidden reality. And the Bible will reveal to you more and more and more of the restoration of lost memories. And you will begin to hear like you've never heard it before, the morning stars singing together. And the question will come up. And this is how I end this teaching today. It's in Job 38, 21. This is MIV. Do you remember when you were born? No, you don't. You don't even remember that you were very ancient, even when at the creation of the earth you were present. You don't remember. God is opening the book of remembrance. Get on board, ladies and gentlemen. Get into this manifest ministry. God bless you and keep you. Amen.